catch those springtime vibes all over Arizona. Break out of the winter blues by hitting the water at one of our lake and river parks. Take a hike among the wildflowers. Just make sure to stay on the trails and leave the flowers for the bees. Discover Arizona's best kept secret and visit azstateparks.com slash amazing to start your springtime adventure. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Everyone, thanks for listening to the Dairyland Talk podcast. I'm Brandon Carwile. I'm Gage Bridgeford. And I'm Adam Zabrowski. I guess to start off, we want to touch base on the Los Angeles game. We kind of feel like that was a turning point for the Packers. Does anyone want to weigh in on what transpired at the end of that? <laughs> Do you want to get me going? <laughs> I'd probably like the rest of you. It was just disbelief. I don't know. Usually I'd go on on a rampage at that point, but I kind of just sat there after the ball was fumbled and just kind of put my hands in my lap. I, I didn't know what to do. I'm not going to lie. Like coming into the game, it was one of those I didn't expect the team to win. I know that's what not what anybody wants to hear, but like we're coming in, we've been slow all season, haven't played a complete game. We're going to Los Angeles again against what at the time was viewed as the best team in football. So the fact that we were close, I was at I I, re- I really wish we had gotten blown out by 25 and then lose the way that we did cuz that like was just such a gut punch. I was like, "We got it." I was like, "2 minutes." He's got I was like, "We got 2 minutes. We got two timeouts. Rodgers got all he's got to do is get in a field goal range." I was like, "It's game over." And then Ty Montgomery came out of the end zone. <laughs> exactly. I mean, I remember when he you see that fumble and the first thing you go is just in the survival mode. You look at the clock and you're like, oh, my gosh, is there any chance we can no, get the ball back and still, and still make something happen? And it's, you, then they cut to Rodgers on the sideline and he is just beside himself. And then, uh, I like what Gage said, though. I, I'm one of those people, too. I would have rather lost that game by 25 than lose in that fashion. Because, I mean, you said it best. You have Aaron Rodgers. You got two minutes. You got plenty of timeouts. The whole world knows that you're going to win that game. Rodgers has done more with less time. He's needed touchdowns in 50 seconds. He's gotten it. He needed a field goal with two minutes to go, and that happens. All you need just kneel the ball and give him the shot. There's there's just no excuse to take it out. And then that's why he's in Baltimore. Exactly. Like, exactly. Uh, Roger, it's been rare in the past. Like, we haven't really seen a lot of instances of the team, like, doing away when a guy makes a mistake or makes a boneheaded move. But I, I'm thinking Rodgers had a lot to do with that. He was probably like, you know what? We don't need him. I'm done. Get him out of here. And really, he was kind of the odd man out, too, if you think about it. I, obviously, McCarthy likes to plug in the backs. But you got Jones running the way he is, minus, you know, the fumble, which we'll get to. And then you got Williams as the workhorse. It's like, where does that leave Montgomery? That's just three guys coming in and out nobody can find a rhythm i think it's best to get him out of there i think he it kind of gave me uh shade or like kind of an idea of like how new england uses their guys but they had too many mouths to feed like i think that if anything jamal williams should have been the odd man out in terms of like jones was running better montgomery's a better uh pass catcher 
But I think that move, like, I mean, plus he's in a contract year anyway, so there was no reason to keep him. The fact that they got a seventh-round pick out of him after that happened was just astonishing. In 2020, nonetheless, that was just kind of like, here, take him, please. Yeah, like, get rid of him. We don't want him. Thank you. Goodbye. Exactly. Take our burden off of us. I think they kind of expected Montgomery to settle into, like, a Tariq Cohen, like, Deion Lewis role where they thought he would be a dynamic threat out of the backfield and he just I guess he just didn't show enough to warrant the reps to even get a shot at that he's just not he's just not as athletic as he was in college like I don't know if you guys ever watched him in college he was he was explosive it was crazy I think that injury from his first from his rookie season really did took a lot out of him um and also did you guys know this wasn't the first time he's tried to take a ball out when he wasn't supposed to no, what was the other time? I'm curious. When he was in college at Stanford, his he actually got tackled by a teammate in the end zone when he was coming coming to bring a ball out. Like he was supposed to kneel down, and he went to bring it out, and his teammate took him down. But you'd think you'd learn by then. That, hey, yeah. maybe I shouldn't do this. Just, just nope. take, take the yards, you know. No, nope. but honestly, I mean, so Packers lost. Uh, I mean, sucks. But at the same time, like you gotta you gotta move on. That's one of those games that at the beginning of the year, even everyone was like, you know what? If we if we win that game, great. But at the same time, we're not expecting to. And then, like like, and then we went to New England, and for three quarters, I thought we had it, and then we didn't. Isn't that that's kind of the story though? It's like it's either a tale of two halves, or you'll get three out of the four. The only game where the Packers put together four straight quarters, if that was the San Fran game, and that might be pushing it. They didn't even play four quarters in that one. They took at least one or two quarters off. Like, uh, I mean, if you go back and look at that, it, they got blown. They were getting blown out at one point, weren't they? Weren't they down like 20 to three or something like that? Did I, am I misremembering? The second quarter, the, I mean, they let off the gas and they lost control. And that's what I mean by they still haven't put together four quarters. That's to my mind, though, that's the closest I can think of. The Rams would be up there too, but you know the fourth quarter was just sloppy. So really thinking about it, there hasn't been a full four quarter game, and that's yeah, scary they, to think. Yeah, they like this team has the potential all over. Like it's everyone, everyone knows it, and like everyone in, on the team knows it. Everyone on the in the league knows it. They have talent on both sides of the ball. Like the defense has talent for the first time in a long time, and they and they just can't they can't figure out how to get out of their own way sometimes. And, you know, for the first time in a while, too, with that defense and the promise, it's like we actually have somebody in Jair Alexander that could turn into one of the most dangerous guys in the secondary across the league. And think about Packers secondaries in the past. When, have, when has there ever been that one guy, that the Jalen Ramseys and, you know, the Peter? I, you know I, I mean? Honestly, I don't know that we have ever had a guy that was a – we dare you to throw it in his direction. Like we dare you, because you're not, because nothing good is gonna happen when you throw at him. Even like everyone's like, oh Sam Shields or oh prime Mike McKenzie, Al Harris. But even then, those guys weren't putting the fear to not throw at them. Like Sam Shields was an athletic freak, and I'm and I'm glad to see him doing stuff in Los Angeles. Like even though we like they beat us, I'm glad to see him back in the league and healthy and everything. Like uh, when he left. It was it was awful. I mean, dude, you never want to be forced out of the game due to injury, but he was able to make his way back and he was an athletic freak, but even then he was he was short and he wasn't a natural corner. He wasn't gonna shut guys down. Right. I definitely agree with that. Just that I think we can kind of lump maybe Woodson 
and of course Tremont into that ball hawk category. And Shields obviously had a little bit of that, but you know, the injuries just got the best of him and you know it's it's great to see him playing again. Um, you know, hopefully he stays healthy, obviously. But right now the defense, especially the secondary, is just trying to find an identity, I think. They're still in that transition phase under Petten. Um, we've seen a couple guys make some big plays. Obviously, King against the 49ers and Jair just had a coming out party against the Rams. But it's it just takes, you know, what McCarthy says. You got to stack success and then you got to sustain it. And I mean, I think now's a good time talking about the secondary to bring up the haha trade and where that leaves the safety group because now it's you're relying on Josh Jones, a second year guy who who missed some of last year and who still can't cover that well. And Whitehead just got cut after being ejected, and then you got Bryce back there. You know, there's there's no solidity back there to just rely on heavily. In in regards to that, so yeah, Whitehead got ejected, which that was kind of I mean, the fact that he got ejected in the first place was a little ridiculous, but. But we're not going to talk about that. Refs are inconsistent this year. But uh, like I think Williams can be a decent free safety. He 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 looked a little off. Uh, like he looked a little uncomfortable in that role on Sunday night. But that's to be expected. It's his first game, and he's playing against Tom Brady, who's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Um, so he looked a little uncomfortable. My guess is he'll grow in that role over time. Another uh, one thing about Crenshaw Bryce. So he's been burned a couple times this year. We all saw him get burned in the Minnesota game and he got burned uh, against San Francisco, but he's played decent. He just hasn't been consistent. And I think it's people see players like Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, uh, Landon Collins, and all these other guys that are amazing all world safeties that that's what they want. And at the same time, you only like Kentrell Bryce doesn't need to be a world beater. They just need him to be decent. Like he just needs to, show up, cover his guy, and then not make a mistake, which shouldn't be asking that much, but apparently it is. Yeah, no, like you said, yeah, I agree that you can't have everything. It's like a two-way player in basketball. It's it's hard to find the Jimmy Butlers and the LeBrons and all those guys of the world, somebody that can cover and stop the run, have a great range, hands on the ball, all that. When Bryce is back there, I'm comfortable in the run game. We all know he's a hard hitter. I mean, that, that playoff play against Cole Beasley, that kind of put him on the map for that. But, yeah, like you said, it's his coverage that it just concerns me going forward, especially when Kevin King can't stay healthy and Jair's been having an injury problem. You know, it's you need these guys to stay in and be able to do their jobs effectively. Exactly. And I just wanted to touch more on Bryce. I'm glad you guys brought him up. It's kind of encouraging for me, at least. I'm a huge Bryce fan. Um, he hasn't been in, you know, in the headlines for the wrong reasons, which is kind of how he started off the season. And then when you look over at the safety opposite him, you've got Tremont, who you there's a lot of question marks on whether or not he can withstand kind of the physicality of what it takes to be a safety. Is he going to be able to fill running lanes consistently and be an aggressive tackler? Which uh, may some people may disagree with this, but. Clint Dix did at times, obviously not consistently, but he was a he was able to be a reliable t- tackler in spots, I guess you'd say. But I'm still not convinced Williams is going to be able to sure up the back end as what they expect him to. Now, especially with his age and you know the lack of mobility that's come with his age, that that part concerns me also. 
I think that uh, Williams can do that. Uh, and also with Clinton Dix, like he did that a lot. Like there's a reason he made a Pro Bowl. Like he made a Pro Bowl because he was willing to go out and make plays. And I think just this year, everyone's ever, when, when he was traded, I know initially my thought was, why the hell are we trading the guy that's leading the team in interceptions? And then I thought about it a little more. It's like he's in a play, he's in, he's in a contract year. He's already talked about who he's planning on leaving anyway. And he has only really made plays because he's making gambles. You need a guy back there that's going to be like consistent and not try and make plays for himself. He's trying to make plays for the team. Like, haha, Clinton Dix on his like three on his three interceptions. Most of those were he he made the play. Like, yes, great, he made the ball hawk play, but he's not making the smart play. The smart play is to get is to make sure that you're going to tackle your guy like yeah you might give up a five-yard gain but at least you stopped him from getting down the field because if you go for the ball and you whiff that guy's gone because you're supposed to be the help over the top you're supposed to make sure that guy doesn't get there like if you had the play easy then go for it but he at times would just run the risk of either i'm getting this ball or that guy scoring and it bit him too much in the past couple of years and now he's gone and that's what you love to hate too you love the aggressiveness but then it doesn't work out then then you're looked at as why, why you're doing that but like as far as the trade goes a fourth rounder for a former first rounder yeah like you said we all know he's leaving probably after the year but if haha plays the rest of the season here we get nine more games out of him when he leaves the packers are probably going to get anywhere from a fourth to fifth rounder anyway so i i can kind of see what they might be trying to do here and knowing that he's leaving get guys in now to get used to the position. But if you plan on bringing somebody in from the outside or from the draft to replace them for next season, it's like, why not just hold on him for the rest of the year? Cause he's the best you have. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. Uh, Brandon, go ahead and chime in. I got something, but I'll let you go first. I was just going to say, I feel like, I mean, this is just such a different attitude and just kind of surrounding this team now. Um, you know, Gutekunst is just leading leading a new march honestly i mean we haven't we haven't had in-season transactions like this i can't even remember when or even off-season for that matter (laughs) exactly exactly but yeah you guys made some great points um obviously haha was inconsistent maybe they could have gotten the compensatory pick um you know later on in the off season, which would have been used, you know, for the next draft, but they wanted the guarantee. They wanted the guaranteed fourth round pick. And I, honestly, I kind of uh, agree with the move just because again, yeah, they, it didn't seem like they would want to resign him. And for all we know, he's just a eight, eight game loan to another team. So that's just kind of where I stand with that. And another thing about him is so, he like I don't know if you guys have paid attention to the safety market over the past couple of years. There is none. Yeah, there is no safety market at all. Like uh, it's, uh, who was it? Reggie Nelson? Like two years ago, he led the NFL in interceptions, and he didn't get a deal until like really late or like right before training camp, or he got like pennies on the dollar, and everyone was freaking out that we let Morgan Burnett walk. Which I also, especially now that Kentrell Bryce is struggling so much, but when we let um, Morgan Burnett walk, it was with the presumption Josh Jones was going to take a step forward. Um, Burnett was getting older, so 
it was so it, it made sense uh, and burnett hasn't exactly been lighting on the lighting the world on fire from what i've seen like i i mean i haven't paid too much attention to him but i haven't really heard about him doing anything crazy this year yeah no but i, I guess i guess it kind of just the packers from here gotta let the chips fall where they may i guess you know we gotta trust goot in the draft and like you said the free agent market for for safeties it's not there so you, get, you just got to be hopeful moving forward yeah, so if like if Clinton Dix doesn't get signed by anybody, then he then like if Clinton Dix doesn't get signed or he gets signed for pennies on the dollar, we don't get a compensatory pick anyway. Yeah, but that's one thought to keep in mind too. Do you think if if he doesn't get anything late enough, do you think the Packers think about bringing him back? No, I don't. I think that he's gone just because he does. Like I think he's gone. I think that like he already talked about how he was planning on leaving. Slash, the team didn't want to bring him back. So I think. Like if now, if now if he doesn't get anything, do I think the team should turn turn their nose up at him? Not not at all. But I just think that the it's kind of one of those bridges that they're just gonna let go. Um, Absolutely, yeah. The safety market as a whole was just kind of diminishing, um, and the Packers secondary. I don't know what year we're going on, but it's still a work in progress. Um, but let's go ahead and just transition to. Brady versus Rodgers from this past Sunday night. Um, obviously, I'm sure I'm not alone in that. I'm really disappointed in the way Rodgers played. Uh, you guys want to weigh in on that? I mean, uh, obviously, it certainly wasn't certainly wasn't his best game. Um, he also he also didn't have a little bit of help with Allison there, but MVS uh, Scantling came up huge. He had a great game, kind of his breakout there. Jimmy Graham showed up with with uh, more than one to two catches. You know, that hasn't happened a whole lot. And finally, got a nice touchdown in there, too. But really, I don't think it was as much Rodgers playing bad as much as just the offense as a whole not being able to get plays going. The same thing as always with the play calling and just some of the third down plays where McCarthy opts to throw a little two yard out behind the line. It's like, it's like, what are you doing, you know? I think that they're. Um, this is something that I heard of on a couple different, I've heard on a couple different podcasts and I've seen a couple different places that the Packers are way too quick to do like give up plays like a a draw on third and 15 when that's a very that's very gettable for a Aaron Rodgers led offense and they have shown flashes this year like the second half of the Chicago game is what I think this offense should look like all the time but with way more Aaron Jones mixed in they torched that Chicago Bears defense that had shut them down in the first half and all it was was they were running that hurry up offense like what <clears throat> what Brady and the Patriots did on that first drive is what the Packers should do every single drive they had they have athletes all over the field Devontae Adams isn't the fastest guy but he's a great athlete you can't jam him off the line of scrimmage MBS and Equinemia St. Brown are crazy fast. That's why they got that's one of the reasons they were drafted is because they're so fast and so tall that that just put your athletes on the field, put them in spots to be successful because they so often just this team doesn't put its best players in a position to be successful. Like Aaron Jones, the fact that he still has not gotten 20 carries this season has been partially game script, but there's been games when he shouldn't be on the bench against Buffalo. I'm pretty sure he only had like 12 carries. We shut them out and he had 12 carries. Expl- 
I don't understand why this guy is averaging six yards a carry and he can't get on the field. You feel bad for him. You have to. And I, I hope the world wasn't Packers nation didn't light the world on fire with that fumble because it, it happens. It just so happened to come in the worst possible situation, but he still averaged five and a half yards a carry against new England. No matter which way you spin it, he produces no matter who they play. And I'm with you there. It's every game that I see the switch. I just want to rip my hair out. It's because it's like, why isn't he in the game? He, like, he needs to be there. He's so explosive. Like, do you want it? Do you want to run him in the ground? Not at all. No, no, you do not. I understand not wanting to run him 25, 30 times a game because you don't want him to be Leonard, Leonard Fournette sitting on the bench because you're because he's injured. But at the same time, he shouldn't be getting the same amount of touches as Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams should be has a position on this team. He has a position in the game. He's a he's a good short yardage guy. He's a great pass blocker still. Uh, Aaron Jones has gotten better in that aspect, but Jamal Williams is still better. But but Aaron Jones is the guy that needs to be on the field the majority of the time. It's not even close. And when Sunday they spent the majority of the time with Jones on the field, I was like, yes, this is what it's supposed to look like. And then he fumbled and they pulled him, and I don't think he saw a snap after that. Brandon, got anything? Yeah, I was going to say a lot of fingers are pointed at McCarthy, but I think you can, it's maybe 60-40 between McCarthy and Rodgers. Rodgers obviously has a tremendous amount of freedom at the line of scrimmage. A lot of the looks are run-pass option looks where he's going with the quick pass, where he maybe had a a better look to hand it off so it's not entirely on McCarthy even though a lot of people want to point fingers and I realize a lot of people aren't so happy with McCarthy they want him out this that and the other but I mean it's still it's still Rodgers offense any way you cut it it's Rodgers offense he's still in control and dictates how this offense goes now I think the whole like the the difference, like now, don't get me wrong. I don't want McCarthy's head on a platter. I've like I know everyone. Like there's been a lot of people that have thought that. I don't agree with those people, but everyone's entitled to their opinion. That's completely fine. However, the reason, like as much freedom as Rodgers has at the line of scrimmage, he doesn't have Brady freedom. He doesn't have Breeze freedom. He doesn't have Peyton Manning freedom to where he can call the entire drive any way he wants to. Like he can, like he can go to the line of scrimmage and make that audible, but McCarthy calls every single play. If you go look at that, like that game, uh, like for New England on that first drive, yeah, the first 15 plays of the game are scripted, but Brady has the complete control of that offense. If he doesn't like whatever Josh McDaniels calls, he can change it and he, and he is going to put them in the right spot to be successful. And Rodgers can do that, but he isn't given the freedom to do that. And this year, more than ever, like I've I've watched football for a long time, and I know you guys have as well, but this year Rodgers just doesn't look like he's having fun. I tweeted during the San Francisco game that it was the first time Rodgers looked like he was having fun playing football this whole season, and it was rare to see because he so often just looks angry and unhappy and like he's working more than playing, like, that's something that um, Favre was always so good about was he was always having fun playing the game mm-hmm. rather than working. Like, it, like yeah, obviously, you always want to win, and he always wants to win, but he at least looked like he was having fun out there. 
Like Rodgers just doesn't look like he's having fun. He looks like he's having a struggle through every single game. And I think that that's something that like that I don't know like if it's like the t- like he doesn't like the team construction. Him and McCarthy have finally burned on each other's nerves too mm-hmm. much, or what it is. But something needs to change. Morale, yeah, morale is definitely low, as far as in the locker room, probably in the front office as well. Um, and I, I think winning would obviously cure a lot of that. And as you said, he looked, he was actually you know, more engaged in the San Francisco game. It was a primetime game, and, you know, he came up big, and they won. So that has a lot to do with it. And it's one, of, and those are one of those things I've picked up on, too, where, I mean, even just his little actions walking off the field, just looking straight-faced, you know, ripping off his chin strap. And I think a lot of that has to do with not just this year's team, but just the mentality as a whole of that. The Packers as an organization and we as fans have never – had back-to-back losing seasons in a long time. It's been like eight years. They went to the playoffs for a long stretch of time in a row. So you have that winning culture instilled in you, and you're so used to it that when the first season that you're back and playing a full season like Rodgers is now, I don't really count last year because that wasn't Rodgers' year. This season for Rodgers is the first time in a long time he's been losing. And, you know, you had the run the table year and you had the relax year. But this feels a little different. I think you guys can agree that I just don't feel – the locker room chemistry from those two years to where it's like, all right, we're going to win out here. We're going to the playoffs. I still need to see something from this team. Absolutely. And before we wrap things up here, guys, I know we want to touch on the Miami game. Um, I'll just start off by saying it, it's getting to must win territory. Like you said, something has got to get this team over the hump. Um, a run the table type remark from Rogers. He obviously said he wants that to be authentic when he does make that sort of statement, but Miami is, is getting into must win territory. How do you guys feel about that? It's going to be a battle for sure. Cause Miami they're down in the East, but they're not out of the AFC. So they're still playing for something. Obviously we're playing for something. Um, if Brock Osweiler is under center, which it's looking like he will be, I think he will be. be. Yeah. It'll look, I think it'll be kind of like Buffalo Sam Franish to where we can either shut that offense down or, you know, Osweiler will get his spots, but they're still not a high-scoring team. So this is a very winnable game for the Packers. It's just you just got to show up and play four quarters like they haven't done yet. I think it's crazy to look at this game. So uh, Miami 1 is 5-4. and four. They're, They have a better record than the Packers right now, but they have had a soft schedule so far, so I don't put too much stock into that. But at the same time, it's crazy to think that we've gotten to the point where it's just this is a winnable game, like for Green Bay. For the longest time, Green Bay, like every single year they came into the season, a little bit this year, but a little less because the NFC was so good or looks so good, is the fact that this is now just a winnable game. Not, oh, yeah, they're going to win that. Just put that down as a dub. Like when you look at, when you looked at the schedule at the start of the season, you were like, yeah, I could see them going 11-5, 12-4, maybe 13-3 and if everything goes right. Now, best case scenario almost looks like ten five and one, and that's with them only losing one game the rest of the way. I think this is a very very winnable game for them. Like I think they just have to show up. That is their their biggest enemy this whole season has been themselves. Like did New England catch them with their pants down with a couple of trick play with the trick plays last week? Of course, but at the same time, I just think. They just have to not beat themselves. They have to come out. They have to play how they can do. Their offense can be electric and game-breaking 
if they're playing with pace and playing well and getting the like Rodgers is great when he's improving, but if you just get the ball out of his hands sometimes, that's the best thing for this offense because there's playmakers. You just got to get him the ball. Like you mentioned, Jimmy Graham earlier has not had a lot of contributions this year, but that's not so much his fault as he's not been getting thrown the ball. I'm pretty sure his catch percentage on the year is like 80 some percent. He catches basically everything thrown his direction. And he just, he, they're not, whether he's not getting open or they're just not throwing him the ball, I don't know what. But I think that, like, this team can win a lot more than it is. They just got to get, they just got to do it. Right. Yes, really quick before you go, Brandon, I just wanted just to build off that, that it has to start this week because you play Miami at home, then you have to go to the quick turnaround in Seattle on Thursday night, and then you got to go to Minnesota. So it's like if you don't start it here, you're putting yourself in a tough spot to start it on Thursday night in Seattle. Yeah, go ahead, Brandon. No, that was great. I just wanted to say, you know, man, uh, like I said at the beginning when we were introducing Miami, it's getting into that must-win territory. You know, I really hope Jimmy Graham doesn't kind of disappear. It'd be nice for him to have another 100-yard game. Obviously, he creates a lot of mismatch problems. Rodgers wants to get uh, Devontae Adams involved more. It would be great to see that. It would also be great to see MVS take another step, even though it feels like he's kind of hitting a plateau as far as his rookie season. It's hard to expect much more from him. Um, well, I think but, at this point, he, it's one of those anything that he gets, like, it, like yeah, it's hard. Like, he he's already doing way more than we expected, but just everything that else that he does is just a bonus. I didn't expect him to play hardly at all this year. I expected him to be the fourth, fifth guy just off the bench, like maybe provide some big play opportunities because he that's what he does. Like his speed is crazy. He just run he flat out runs past guys. Like the play against like McCordy last week, he just ran by him. He didn't do a move. He didn't like he didn't get Rogers with a pump or a Rogers pump fake or anything. He just blew past him. He's got game breaking speed. And all they have to do is put him in a spot to be successful. Like he like uh I think some of those drag routes like earlier in the season where he like wouldn't get his feet down, I think he's kind of polishing that up a bit. And I think that's just gonna come with time. I think that him and Devontae and then Geronimo Allison, if he can get healthy, prevent present a great great receiving trio for the foreseeable future because they're going to have all three of them are good athletes well two of them are great athletes allison's a little less athletic but he's got he's sure-handed minus that game where he got a concussion where he just i don't know if the moment got too big for him or what but they have the possibility to have a great offense moving forward and i just want to see what else he can do and then when you throw EQ in that mix, and if you consider him for a fourth receiver, you're kind of going back to that perfect pack era where uh, SI had that issue with uh, Rodgers and Finley and Jennings, all them on the front. It looks something like that next year. Absolutely. Great point, guys. Um, yeah, hopefully we're doing this again next week, coming off a win. That's certainly what I hope for. Um, I just want to thank everyone for listening. Once again, I'm Brandon. This was the Dairyland Talk podcast. I'm Gage. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We might actually come to you next week a day or two early since it's a Thursday night game. 
Uh, be sure to tune into all of our Twitters. If you don't follow us, uh, you can find us, all of us, or all of our stuff's on Dairyland. I know everyone writes a little bit of different places. Um, but, yeah, you can find all of us on Twitter, and we'll definitely make sure to keep you updated on that. And I'm Adam. Go Pack Go, everybody. Like Gage said, give us all a follow on Twitter. Uh, yeah, and like Brandon said, hopefully we're coming at you with a win or two next week. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.